This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. to step up uh, and honor my friend uh, Robbie and it's always important to uh, touch base with the creator when you when we're doing what we're doing well it's it brings back very warm memories and uh, it's just uh, amazing than the work we did together that's the voice of Vancouver Holocaust survivor Robbie Waisman participating in a video event with Eugene Arcand, a Cree survivor of Canada's Indian residential school system. The pair have been speaking to audiences together about their own traumas and how, despite their experiences, they encourage young people to follow their examples and move on and build meaningful lives. Today, Wednesday, marks the 84th anniversary of Kristallnacht, when on the night of November 8th to 9th, 1938, the Nazis burned synagogues and attacked Jewish communities across Germany and Austria, kickstarting what would be the final solution. So I wanted to introduce you to Robbie Weisman in today's episode. Over the years, some of you may have already heard him speak about his Holocaust story. He's been a prolific educator. Weisman is a child survivor from Poland. His whole family was murdered except for one sister. When he was 13 years old, he was deported to Buchenwald, a camp in Germany where he survived in the same group of 400 boys as Elie Wiesel. A year later, when the Americans liberated him in April of 45, Weisman was 14, sick and starving. Now 91, Robbie Weisman is no longer doing public events for health reasons, but his message hasn't changed. Because I feel that young people particularly, and adults, need to know. And we must never forget. Make sure it doesn't happen again. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, November the 9th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Robbie Weisman was the baby in his family, the youngest of six kids. He was eight when the Nazis invaded Poland. After the war, the French government took the boys in, and with the help from some famous people, including Albert Einstein, Robbie Weisman decided he should leave the ashes of Jewish life in Europe behind, and he moved to Canada. He got married, and they finally settled in Vancouver. It was only after Canadian Holocaust deniers Jim Keekstra and Ernst Zundel began to make headlines in the 80s that Robbie Weisman decided it was time to tell his own Holocaust story. Robbie Weisman's incredible story is now out in a book for young adults. It's called Boy from Buchenwald, and the book has just won an award at the Toronto International Festival of Authors, plus a prize for children's literature in BC and the Yukon. Coming up, you'll hear our interview after this message. Did you know April 2023 is Israel's 75th anniversary? In honor of this huge milestone, UJA Federation of Greater Toronto is planning an epic trip to Israel, and all of Canada is invited. Israel's anniversary, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, is a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Streets are filled with parties, fireworks, music, and dancing. On UJA's Israel 75, you'll get to join the celebration. 75 is not a regular anniversary, and Israel 75 is not your typical trip. You'll get a truly unique experience of the country, no matter how many times you've been before. 
With 10 specialized tracks, you can create an itinerary that is totally personalized, whether you're a foodie, an adrenaline seeker, a TV buff, or politically minded. The best part? You can mix and match tracks on different days. Embark on a thrilling adventure one day and a culinary experience the next. Let your own interests be your guide and experience everything Israel has to offer. To learn more about the trip, visit UJAIsrael75.com. That's UJAIsrael75.com. And Robbie Waisman joined me from Vancouver along with his co-writer, Canadian author Susan McClelland. Our interview was recorded just after his book was released last summer. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for doing this. It's my absolute honor, and I'm so happy to have read your book. It's not an easy book to read, I have to say. How did you two find each other? Well, um, uh, Robbie's brother-in-law is a literary agent, and very serendipitously, I met his colleague at the airport in Heathrow, maybe 13 years ago. So it was a long, long time in coming. It was. A oh, I think this started about five years ago. Uh, we started to work on the book. Initially, when we went out with the book with probably one of New York's top agents, it was believed that there were too many Holocaust stories. So again, it was just the timing. How did, how did you decide this is something you wanted to do? I really, really felt what drew me to it and this actually came out of Robbie's speeches, because when Robbie would give talks, the young people, especially on First Nations, would be very drawn to his story and really wanting to know how these boys who had lost everything and experienced the most, you know, unthinkable things to them were able to go on. And I felt that that was actually the story that needed to be told. And so that was basically came out of Robbie and his talks and all the letters that he's accumulated, but um, having me then come on board and say, you know, I think this is where the story is. And Robbie's backstory is sort of woven into that. What made you think that it's more, most important to tell it as a young adult audience? Well, I think it's very important for young people to realize what they have at home. And we live in paradise what I went through as a youngster. And so, you know, and I want to make them appreciate what they have. Uh, you know, when I speak to young people, the, the one letter that stands out, I have many letters, but this one said, you know, I tell them how important, how precious they have at home, their parents, their brothers, sisters, friends. So this boy went home and he said to his dad, dad, I love you. And his dad looked at him, he says, what did you do to the car? So that sort of stands out. But you should see all the letters that I received from how I've changed many of their life. Well, Robbie, in your book, you talk a lot about Elie Wiesel from how you knew him, not a lot, but a bit about Elie Wiesel and, and being one of the intellectuals and the more religious people. When the kids hear about this, do they know who Elie Wiesel was? Well, uh, many of them do, but some don't. And I tell them to pick up some books, go to the library. Uh, Elie Wiesel was an amazing human being. And he helped us all to get on with life. 
and do things in a positive way. So Elie Wiesel, to me, is one of the heroes. He was one of the first one that put all his sorrow aside and moved on with life and did these wonderful things. But he was one of our boys. He was one of the older ones. When you quoted him as saying, even in the darkness, it's possible to see light. What does that saying mean to you now? How did it mark your life? Well, there was a group of us that uh, we wanted to go home, be reunited with family. And then we, when we realized the enormity of all the losses, we were sent to France, to a place called Ecuy. And the organization was Ose uh, in French, Eve Secours Enfants. And they sort of took us over and uh, they had all kinds of caregivers. There was a Professor Manfred Reingwitz from the Sorbonne was making these speeches, the importance of putting all our sorrow aside, move on with life, catch up in your schooling, and so on. And I can't repeat to you what we used to tell him where to go. Uh, but he wouldn't give up. And the one particular time is always with me. As he was walking away, he turned around and he pointed his finger at me and he said, Romek, by the way, if your parents were alive, and stood where I am standing right now, what do you think they would want for you? And we all sort of looked and looked at one another and, and I still see him. He says, ah, I'm wasting my time. And he was walking away. And all the ones that won't amount to anything, Elie Wiesel, Nobel Peace winner, uh, the youngest one was a, was a little boy named Lulek, who became the chief rabbi of Israel. And I can go on and on. Susan knows all about this, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and what we've accomplished, it just touches my heart. And I'm very proud of the boys. Can you imagine that uh, more than uh, millions like us didn't have that chance. You mentioned children, and of course we need to talk now about the residential schools, uh, the discovery of, of the graves. So how has this news impacted you personally? It, it, you know, anytime, like right now, it gives me goosebumps. How was it possible? I thought that what the Nazis did was it, but for here in, in Canada, to something like this happen, how was it possible? And it saddens me. So thankfully, many of these kids survived, and most of them moved on and, and made something out of their lives. How has the reception been from the uh, Indigenous community to your, your work? It warms my heart when I think back, because I've received many letters from some of them how I've changed their lives uh, because I told them to put their sorrow aside, move on, catch up in your schooling, do something with your life. As survivors, I think it, it's our duty and obligation to 
teach the world, particularly young people. What do you think Canadians should be doing for Canada Day? I'm not sure. Are you aware of this whole discussion that that Canadians should not be celebrating, that they should be taking time to mourn? Have you heard about this? And if so, what are your thoughts? Well, I think both things are important. We must never forget to to move on and then appreciate. When when you say Canada, you look at the rest of the world, particularly, I don't know if, if people appreciate it, but I do. This is heaven on earth, what we have here. Not many of my friends that liberated me stayed in Europe because, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to go back to Poland to be reunited with family. In my mind, I was going to come home and I opened the door and my family sitting at the table because I had four older brother and a, and a sister and my older brother was married, had a little boy named Nutala and, uh, yeah, it, these, in a way, as I said before, sometimes it was a blessing in disguise not to know the full picture. Because if we had known the full picture, many of us would have given up, including myself. What do you make of the uh, rise of anti-Semitism again now in the last few months around the world and the spike in uh, Jew hatred and anti-Zionism? I, again, it gives me shivers. And, you know... Uh, we represent what? I don't know, quarter percent or another? I don't know. It's not, there's so few of us. And, and look what we've, what we've contributed to society and so on. All the different things. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. You can order Robbie Waisman's book or find out more about him, and we put the links to both in our show notes. And we'll end today with a special listener shout-out, and it goes to all the remaining Holocaust survivors in Canada and their families, including this group of 10 who was honoured this week by the Ontario government and the Canadian Society for Yad Vashem. It's an annual ceremony, and over the years, the province has celebrated nearly 300 survivors for their contributions to society. Here's Yad Vashem Canada President Franz Sunshine reading out the names of this year's honorees. Thanks for listening. With tremendous respect and admiration, we are proud to recognize and honor Molly Applebaum, Miriam Benjovitz, Alex Burstein, Howard Chandler, Georgine Nash, Herta Getzler, Frank Junger, Eva Olson, Kitty Salzberg, and Meyer Sankowitz. This year's honorees invited us into their beautiful homes and shared their stories with us. It was a privilege to present each of them with the certificate and to let them know that their legacy will live on. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.